Today, we will be touching on some um, serious topics. We will be talking about addiction. We'll be talking about recovery. Uh, with that being said, I want to make sure I put a couple numbers out here for you all. There is a number in Indiana, 211. If you are struggling, if you are in need, if you need something, please dial 211. It's a free and confidential service that helps Hoosiers across Indiana find the local resources they need. Connect with 211. They're here 24 7. Also, I want to throw out there 988. 988 is a uh, suicide and crisis lifeline. Uh, the reason I bring that up, the reason Travis is here is you know, more Hoosiers die now from drug overdose and car crashes and um, from what a gunshot. Yeah, the last one I read said that gunshots and car crashes combined. Drug overdoses are still There's more more deaths. Yeah. Well, today, like I said, I'm here with Travis Jester. And Travis, tell us what your title is again. I am a certified addiction peer recovery coach. Wonderful. I, I, I butchered it uh, a little bit ago when we were talking, and I want to make sure I get the right things out there. You're all right, man. Uh, yeah. I appreciate you giving me this platform. Uh, you're very welcome. Glad you're here, my friend. Uh, so Travis himself is recover in recovery. And he's continuing to to his journey, right? And yes. I think a minute ago we talked, and, and I said, how long have you been sober? I will have five years on June 26th. And how are you doing as of 5.39 today? So far, so good. Oh, man, I love you know? um, <laughs> but, yeah. uh, I, I'm mentioning that because he said to me, uh, Hey, you know, recovery's ongoing, and as of 5.30, I'm doing, I'm doing great. Yeah. I'm doing awesome. Yeah, I don't take it for granted, and I... You know, if I wasn't here, I'd probably be in a meeting tonight. Oh, well, yeah. yeah. So, hey, I've known Travis for most of my life. Um, we were talking about just traveling in very similar circles, almost like a Venn diagram where, you know, there's there's circles over here, there's circles over there. And, man, it sounds like I'm talking about an old bucket song or something. But uh, <laughs> it takes me back. We're up on the Hartford City Square mosh pit and jumping off of speakers. And, yep. Oh, man been a while probably. well i'll be honest i think that's how i met you it, you it know? probably is i have a brother that's four years older than me and a brother and sister six and seven yeah and yeah but through music yeah you know that's how yeah, i ran around with matt yeah. and uh ran around with tyler yep and you were you were tagging along at some point in there yes right? yeah i was gosh like I, like i said before we got on air like i was their punching bag i can i can remember up at heritage days and this is back when heritage days was big yeah it went all the way around yeah and they stapled me to a board. <laughs> they just held me up there and used the staple gun and stapled me. And, We're know. laughing now. Yes. Okay. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Hey, I had older brothers too, my man. Yeah. Older brothers, older cousins. Man, Mark would throw me down, like him and his buddies, they would throw me down the stairs. My, my aunt uh, Susie and Uncle Fred's house, they'd put me in a sleeping bag, fart in it, and then send me down the <laughs> stairway. <laughs> That was, I feel that, you know, yeah. I had an older brother, man, I was thinking the other day about the stuff I remember and my brother, Bill, he would turn on, there was a specific song. So when I was talking about music and how I could remember things, yeah. it brought up another memory as I listened and I do listen to my own podcast. Like I, I want to hear what I'm putting out to y'all and, and it sounds different when you're in the car. Yeah. It, it's really interesting. It's one thing to sit in here and do it. And then, but once you get in the car, it's 
really different because you're listening to it in a whole different environment. And so anyway, I'm listening to that and I'm like, oh man, Bill used to like turn the lights off in his room and he put on like this, uh, I don't know if it was, um, uh, what's the purple lamps? The, the Oh, lava lamp. The black light. Oh, black light, yeah. He'd turn on the black light and there was a certain song he put on and I knew I was about to get tickled until I peed. <laughs> <laughs> it's not a joke, man. I, I got tickled until I peed. But, you know, I loved it. It's one of those memories I have from, from Bill. And, yeah. Uh, like, listening to that brought back that memory. And that's one thing I wanted, you know, this podcast to be. It was about some memories, about, you know, sharing and, and putting a story out there. And uh, you certainly got a story to tell. And I got one to tell about you, if that's okay. Right? Yes. So I've known, like I said, I've known Travis most of my life. And, you know, I'd always thought of him as someone who's creative, self-assured, just a kind person, though, at the end of the day. And, you know, as being the youngest, I can certainly, I think we have a lot in common in that way. And, um, but I met another version of him about six years ago. You know, it was somebody I didn't recognize as creative or self-assured. The kindness still existed. Um, although you weren't really being kind to yourself at the time. And, and uh, what's interesting is um, one of the books I've read is 12 Rules to Life. It's Jordan Peterson. I know he's a fairly controversial person, but um, I think the what he said was, are you treating yourself as well as you would treat your pet? And That's heavy. Uh, I, th- I think it's really important to think about, you know, um, you were certainly treating your pet better than yourself. Yeah. And well, it's funny you say that because I had somebody tell me after. So the day I seen you, I want to say within the next 100, 120 days, I got arrested. And that was when I began this journey of sobriety and eventually recovery. And after I got out of jail and started getting acclimated to this recovery community that unfortunately I didn't know existed, mm-hmm. you know, we had blinders on. Um, somebody said, I knew you were bad, Travis, when I seen fleas on Mojo. Oh, man. So it was like, I, I didn't care how I looked, but that really bothered me that somebody was like, yeah, Mojo looks terrible. And, you know, side note, Mojo and I have both been in recovery almost five years. He goes to every meeting I do, never shares, still just (laughs) eats food, just sits there and gets attendance, you know, but we walk in the rooms and everybody's like, Mojo, I'm like. I'm the one in recovery. I'm fine, by the way, but no. I, I'm glad he's there for you. Yes, though. he attends a lot of meetings. So. <laughs> so awesome. So it's been about six years. I saw, I was I was out having lunch with uh, Tommy Simison. Yes. Interestingly enough, you know, Tommy was uh, my last guest on the show, well, a couple of guests ago on the show. And uh, so Tommy and I are out having lunch, and I saw this guy that looked really familiar uh, across, you know, come in and, and get some food. And lo and behold, it was Travis. And we talked for a few minutes, asked yeah. how you was doing, what you were doing, what you're up to. And uh, he shared that you were working uh, in, in a recovery situation. And yeah. um, as soon as Travis left, the first thing out of my mouth to Tommy was, he looked healthy. He looked like, damn, he looked healthy. And I was really glad to see that. Cause, and really glad that you shared with us and you came and talked to us. Um because I care about that stuff. I, 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 a lot of your nieces uh, have come through my classroom. Yes. Yeah. And boy, what a, <laughs> I didn't think I was going to get emotional today, but how, how that's affected me 
being able to participate in their life and hopefully yeah. share with them man, something that um, something really special to me. So, you know, with that being said, no, and I, I want to, you know, Kyron lost her mom when she was one, her dad at 11. Yeah. She's in college right now. Yeah. <laughs> Abby just won salutatorian. Oh, man. She's got a full ride to Butler. And, you know, I'm Uncle T, and they've seen me bad. Luckily, in the last five years, they've seen what I'm capable of. But um, other than cornhole, <laughs> I envy them. <laughs> they hate that Uncle T wins all the time. But I do. I tell them, like, I thought because, you know, you have adverse childhood experiences and right. hereditary, um, all these things that factor into substance use disorder later on, and they are prime candidates, and they don't do it. Man, they're winning. Yeah, and I hate that why they're not doing it, but also love they're not using it as a crutch to get into that. So, yeah, I, I, I too envy those two ladies because they're, they are changing the stigma of yeah. – they're overcoming. Yes, they're overcoming odds, and um, you know, I, I see, I see Abby quite a bit, and uh, love talking to her and seeing her out at Gilman's. And yeah, uh, by the way, Gilman's doesn't uh, support this show. They don't. They're not a. They're not a paid sponsor. I don't, I don't have uh, advertisers. Not yet. I don't know that I'm going to take them. Yeah, I don't know that that I, like. You don't want just a break, a bathroom break. That it's like you press play. You got thirty seconds. Yeah. To... Do you listen to podcasts besides mine? Yes. And there are times when I'm listening, I'm like, dude, that is the worst place to put a commercial break. Or don't try and sell me something that you really don't believe yeah. in. Come on, man. Yeah. Uh, but with that being said, I got to say, one of my favorite things in, in my podcast room here is the Schick Show. Uh, po- <laughs> I'm like giving a shout out to my oh. my to my brother-in-law, Kevin Dodd. He puts together these really cool um, etched, I think they're laser etched. Um, coasters for me, and just brought them up, brought them down. He, well, you need to get you need to get that design on a shirt now. Uh, something like that. Yeah. I've got another design. I've been wanting to put on a shirt for a while. Okay, it's um, it, it's right over there. I don't know if you can see it behind Bob. Uh, but there's a sketch of me that was made by a friend of mine down in down in Madison. And, I don't uh, want to go messing up the mic. I'll, I'll check it out. Yeah, so it was a sketch made by Eric Fagan. Eric Fagan's an incredible artist. We have some of his art here in the house. I'll show you a piece before we leave today. Is this the one uh, with the frame that you were talking about? No, that's no, that's my Bob Ross. So you'll have oh, to that's see right, yeah. Yeah, the Bob Ross downstairs. Uh, but uh, I'll show you. I've got a couple of Fagan's pieces here, but he's incredible as well. But I, I, I don't know that I'm going to go to paid advertisers. I just... I don't know. I'm just having fun, man. Yeah. I, I'm, I feel like if I go to paid, uh, it's going to be a job. Well, you're pretty dedicated already. Well, you know, just, you know, you guys don't know this, but he was talking before we got online or on the air that he had a laptop and now he's got this board and it's like before too long, you're going to look like Rogan and have oh, that man. neon behind you and this big table. There you go. I, I've got the lights <laughs> for it already. Yeah, just, I don't, and, and that was another thing. Somebody asked me, when are you going to start videoing it? And I'm like, you're talking about a whole nother layer. And yeah. this is just me. It's not like I have a team of people. Right. You know, Rogan, some of these other folks, they have a team of people that are doing this, that do their social media, that do all their website. Yeah. That, you know, I build my website. I do envy that, though. Hey, Jamie, look this up. 
right? Uh, just to have that extra would person, be nice. like, you're only paid to just be my Google Siri, whatever. Hey, Google. That's yeah. what I would just call that person. Hey, Google. Right. You know, my phone's probably going off somewhere right, right now. <laughs> Speaking of which, I never did. It is. Did it? Yep. <laughs> always listening in. Maybe they'll start advertising for the Schick Show. Yeah. But anyway, man, this is what happens on the Schick Show, everybody. You show up here, and next thing you know, it's some crazy, stupid conversation that goes on. It makes it more hu- human. It is. There human. is no script, you know. It, so I do have I do have questions on here, but that's it, man. Yeah. This isn't something that I've scripted out. This isn't something where, um, you know, we got a few talking points, but when we were talking on the phone, it was like. Let's just get together and, and go at it, you know. Um, you know, like I said, I've known Travis most of my life and always had a positive thought about him. That day I saw him, I was just, I was so disappointed when he came out to my house to do some work with me with another gentleman. Um, but that's been a journey, my man. It was a journey to get there. Yeah. Um, Let's talk about that journey there. You want to start there? You want to start? Yeah, we can. Um, first off, I want to let the audience know. I reached out to Scott, and that was super uncomfortable to me. And I'd done it because I wanted to be able to promote multiple pathways. Um, but this journey of, you know, like he said, five, six years ago when I met or seen you out there, um, I was literally living in a garage running an electrical cord out to have electricity because I had, you know, at the time, uh, other than Tyler, all my siblings were alive. I wasn't allowed around. Mm-hmm. Um, couldn't come to my parents' house. And I don't, I don't fault him at all. Like, I was not a good person. Um, but, yeah, that guy there, you know, and I, I know we had to do this twice, but I want to make sure the audience knows, like, you didn't treat me less than. He which, promised he wouldn't bring that up again. But the reason I want to bring it up is because that's why I reached out to you. You know, I've been asked to do it, and I'm not trying to gloat, but it's like I've been asked to do things, and it was always kind of like dictated what we would talk about. Mm-hmm. Don't talk about this, where I'm like, I want to do Scott's because I believe he'll let me be me. Um, and I respect you for the fact that, you know, you didn't embarrass me. You didn't, um, it, it's a kind of double-edged sword. It's like some people are like, I really want to talk to him because I don't want to trigger him mm-hmm. and see him be upset, you know, because unfortunately in active addiction, we don't, we want out. We just don't know how to ask for help usually. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I'll talk about pretty much my early, I started doing drugs at, I, I skipped Pee Wee football. I know that. I skipped Pee Wee football to smoke a joint with my brother and somebody he went to high school with. And uh, to show my age, MC Hammer's uh, Prey was on MTV at the wow. time. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and that was my first uh, foyer into uh, drugs. And I burnt my arm working at Mason's in high school. And they gave me pain pills. And it was over from there. I realized real quick, that's that's Travis. The guy that's not on pills isn't Travis. That's the guy that I want to be. And um, I was just a quick thing on yeah. that is that you that you want to be, or you wanted others to think you were. Good point. Um, I believe that's what everybody wanted. You know what I mean? Like, and this is going to come off somewhat narcissistic, but I, I was very fortunate that I was somewhat athletic and somewhat popular. But in my head, that wasn't good enough. Mm-hmm. I also had to be effed up. Mm-hmm. You know, I always wanted to get right to the point where people could tell, but they weren't sure. You know, does yep. that make sense? Like, hundred um, percent. And it was like literally a game to me for years. How effed up can I get and go run this lathe at work 
without losing a finger or hurting anybody else. And so, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be honest, I will celebrate five years here in a couple of weeks, and this is probably the fifth time I've ever talked about my early drug use, and I'm only doing it out of respect. I, and I say that because a lot of people in the recovery community, I have an hour and a half story to tell. And I'm like, as a facilitator to groups, I'm like, cut it down to 15, 20 minutes of your recovery. With all due respect, this is, everybody got effed up. I don't want to hear that. I want to hear how you got off that. Um, But I I do. I think it's important to note, though, peewee football is fourth, fifth, sixth grade. Yes. Fourth, fifth, and sixth grade. So, you know, as someone who's been, I've been, I've been an educator for the past 13 years, respectfully. I mean, um, and I've been working with that age group for that, that amount of time. And we're talking about children children this wasn't a teenager getting high for the first time this was a legit preteen prepubescent child yeah skipping peewee and i think it's important to note travis well and the worst part scott is i was smoking pot nowadays they're they're doing pressed fentanyl pills at that age and that that's what's scary um you know, I, right now as a peer recovery coach, I work with individuals one-on-one, and I facilitate groups as well. And I have a 15-year-old who was just expelled from Jay County High School for um, openly admitting to me. He's like, I know they're not Roxy 30s. They're fentanyl press that look like Roxy's. And he got expelled for it. And luckily, he's alive, and luckily, he is um, doing well. But they will not let him back in school. Like, the school is scared of him dying on their property, mm-hmm. so he got expelled. And, that, you know, not to go off on a tangent, but that's where, you know, we have a prevention side and a recovery side where I work. And the prevention side is really heavy, heavily involved in letting the school know that's not what we need to do. We need to actually throw more at him instead of remove everything that he has, like a structure. So, but, yeah, I went off on a tangent myself. Um, <laughs> Sorry, man. No. Um, so, yeah, um, in high school, I worked at Mason's. Chicken broaster exploded on me. I got some pain pills. That's the guy I thought I wanted to be. And um, to just summarize it, like it just went downhill. It just kept getting worse. I mean, my nickname at one point was Robo Man. I drank a bottle of DM every day before school in high school. Like I couldn't go to school without Robitussin. And, um, you know, I was in a position where I remember I wasn't very athletic. I was just athletic enough to make like the football team. But it's Blackford. Everybody makes a team. Mm -hmm. But I was also able to play. And I remember... Uh, Coach Bob Kemp told me one time, he said, Travis, you're a natural leader. And most people would latch on to that. To me, that was pressure. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, that he wasn't the only one, but I remember he was one of the first ones that told me, Travis, you're a natural leader. And um, I didn't accept it. Instead, it was, like I alluded to, like, well, how effed up can I get and still be acknowledged as a leader? And um, so, yeah. <sighs> Pretty much my life was drugs and then everything else. And it transpired from literally pain pills just got too expensive. It was a financial decision to get on heroin. Now, as you can see, I don't have tattoos, so I never shot up. Mm -hmm. And my brother Tyler died of a drug overdose. Mm -hmm. And I'm so stupid that I'm like, well, I'm not shooting up, so that won't happen to me. So I kept doing heroin three years after he died before I quit, you know, uh, ironically, my recovery date is also the date of his death, 
It's also Mojo's birthday. So that means five years ago on June 26th, I got pulled over in Blackford County. And I remember telling that officer once they found my drugs, you let me call somebody, come get my dog, I'll go peacefully. Like, I, I don't know how I'll react if I don't know what happens to my dog. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, I'm embarrassed for my parents. Now, they, to their credit, they say it's bittersweet. Yes, it's another year without Tyler, but it's one more year of having our Travis back. Mm -hmm. um, and I bought, side note, I bought uh, them Mojo's brother. So it's the same birthday. So they're like, Mojo and Shiloh are now going to be 10. Travis will be in recovery for five years. So, yeah. yeah. Um, but, yeah, at 38 years old, I finally got my first drug charge. Prior to that, I'd gotten, like, trespassing, breaking and entering, fighting, possession of marijuana, but no nothing real serious. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, when I, got when I got to Blackford County Jail, I remember people saying, what are you doing here? And I said, you know, and the, this was kind of a reality check to me that I wasn't getting bonded out because they were like, Tyler Puck, that was mm -hmm. his nickname, Puck. They were like, Puck, Puck had already been bonded out. And I'm like, I don't have the same last name as him. Mm -hmm. you know? So I sat there until I got out. And uh, yeah, like within a week of being in jail, somebody smuggled um, fentanyl-laced heroin in. And I, Scott, it's so weird now I have to laugh. Like I remember seeing the guy come in and thinking, why'd they let him out of intake? Like he's pretty effed up. And um, him going in the bathroom and taking it out, and then everybody going and doing a line, and them saying, Chester, you want some? And my brain, my addictive brain, and that criminal mentality was, I'm already here. They can't do anything to me. But there was another voice in my head that now makes me realize that's where my recovery started, even though I didn't acknowledge it for years, mm -hmm. that said things like, do you really want to get effed up with a bunch of people that you don't like, mm -hmm. you know? I, I, it's not an indictment on them, but it was just like, I don't want to hang out and be effed up with you guys. Um, and unfortunately, three of them overdosed. Hmm. They had to come in and Narcan them. And so they shuffled us up, put us in different blocks. The next block I went to had methamphetamine in it. Same deal. Guys were like, how, can you, how come you don't want to do this? And I, I, by now I'm having a voice, and I remember saying, I don't want to stay up all night with you idiots. You know what <laughs> I mean? Like... <laughs> It's bad enough that we're watching American Idol when there's football on. Side note, most people in jail, they watch some weird stuff, man. I'll be honest. Like, it's Monday Night Football and we're watching American Idol. Come on, guys. Like, but, you know. Um, so that was when my recovery journey started, honestly, yeah. was June 26, 2018. And since then, like I said, I did a couple months at Blackford, got sentenced to uh, 18 months probation. And... Luckily, I touched base with this guy before here. I told him, hey, I'm going to go on a podcast, and I want to mention you, because my probation officer, Mike Weingartner, was early on such a foundation to my recovery. I remember him, about a month into my probation, he handed me a paper and said, hey, you need to go to two meetings a week and have this signed. And I said, Mike, I'm already doing six meetings a week, and my criminal thinking is saying, F it, I'll only do two. Mm -hmm. And he literally wadded this paper up. He said, you're good. And I, I don't want to get emotional, but Mike is such a foundation to my recovery. And now in my, my line of work, it's weird that I used to report to this guy. And now he emails me referrals of people that, hey, can you work with this guy? Mm -hmm. And, you know, it's, it's a full circle. It's a great feeling to know that, you know, I'm a convicted felon and I have a possession charge and I have other 
higher misdemeanors for dumb stuff and Blackbird County probation is, in my opinion, I work in seven counties, the epitome of what we want. They don't want me to say, hey, I know you assigned me to Scott Schick. Scott's getting high. They want to know whether Scott's even working with me. Mm-hmm. That's it. And that's a great feeling because some counties are like, well, why would I assign somebody to you if you're not going to tell me how they're doing? I'm like, well, that's kind of your job. Like, you drug test. I don't. Right. You know, it's unethical for me to say, I think Scott's high. You know? I mean, I've been up since five. I know I look tired, but I'd be mad if somebody said, yeah, Travis is high right now. Right. So. Absolutely. Um, you know, my early recovery, yeah, was literally six meetings a week. And I'll be honest with you, Scott, about eight months into it, I was frustrated. I was still dreaming about getting high. I was still waking up, tasting it, thinking about it. Mm-hmm. It's really hard to explain to people that there is a moment just a millisecond when right before your eyes open your brain already says we don't have any dope we need to go get dope and that that does go away you know i can't remember the last time i woke up and thought about drugs Mm -hmm. now it's more waking up my girlfriend and saying i've been here all night right yeah why what's up i had a dream i went and used and it was so real, I can taste it. Like, I can feel the chunks of that pill in my throat after snorting it. And, you know, there's just little things that, as um, a person in recovery and an advocate for recovery, people are uncomfortable talking about. And I think it's important they understand, no, we need to, people like me need to be supported talking about this. A lot of people under, don't, for example, every Monday I go up to Bluffton and do meetings with a women's treatment facility called Landmark. And I tell them, it's normal for you to want drugs. It's normal for you to say, hey, Scott, I'm really thinking about using. Talk to me and let this pass. Unfortunately, a lot of the Scots in the world are like, you just got out of treatment. How can you even be thinking about this? And I'm like, this is normal. You have to re- move it from one part of your brain to the other. It's part of your, it's part of your recovery process, too, though. Oh, yeah. 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 I mean, in that, in that moment, you're, you're retraining your brain and – and, and the synapses to look at it differently. Yeah. 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 Um, and so the main reason I reached out to you is like I alluded to earlier, like a lot of people believe sobriety and recovery are the same thing, and they're not. Um, in my field, we, we preach harm reduction and multiple pathways, and people ask me all the time, and I'm going to steal this from the, uh, the godfather, quote, unquote, of peer recovery coaches, Justin Beatty. He's the guy that helped train me four and a half years ago, and he says, uh, we are a GPS to recovery. What that means is in order for me to get home, my GPS will say one way, but it's not the only way. And when you kind of break it down like that, people are like, you know, like for me, I never had a sponsor. I never I, I never identified working steps. I do them every day. Mm-hmm. I just don't say, hey, I made amends with Scott. That's, you know, I did that. Right. Um, I just do it. And so I'm in a position where, I tell the people I work with, you, I want you to go to church. I want you to attend meetings, all kinds, faith-based and step work. I want you to have a sponsor and a coach. The nice thing about what I do for a living is I'm in a position to say, after a while to the individuals I work with, what's the barrier? My support system isn't helping. We'll bring them in the next time you come in, mm-hmm. you know, and then. What was your accountability? You're just talking about, you know, having a support coach, having having a, a support you know, team around you of some sort or a, or a sponsor, what was your accountability? You know, it's funny because I know my parents will probably listen to this. And I got out of jail on a Sunday. And I got out of jail and got in the car 
we went back to my mom's, and here I am, 38 years old with nothing, just me and Mojo. And at the time, my grandma, who's still there, is living with my parents. And I sat him down, and I said, this is what I'm going to do. And I remember either my mom or dad, my stepdad, asking me, what's different? I said, this time I'm telling you. All the other times, you told me what I would do. And I nodded and watched your lips move and thought, yeah, I'll play your game for a while. Like in some intervention type thing? Or it, did it, you ever go through an intervention of some sort? Or Ironically, they did have one for me one time. And... Um, I passed a drug test. I was actively using, like, but somehow I passed this drug test, and it just drove a wedge between us. It literally drove a wedge because, I, A, I wasn't ready. Yeah. B, I didn't – I was just so selfish, man. I didn't care about anybody but me. And, you know, that – I pardon my French. I put my family through some shit. Yeah. And not to mention, like – I don't know that shit's a, a French word. Right. Well, <laughs> I have a potty mouth. I keep saying F-bomb, and I'm trying really hard, Scott, to maybe, be respectful. I'm sorry. <laughs> maybe I should do a, a podcast about where the, you know, excuse my French came from. Right. <laughs> Probably war. World War One, wouldn't it? Uh, yeah. So, yeah. yeah. And we could go into it, but it would take like 10 right. minutes for me to get around to, you know, the reality. But we'll touch on I promise, listeners, I'll touch on it sometime. Yeah. I don't want to break this up. But, yeah, your, your, the answer to your question is, I learned early on, I have to set boundaries and be held accountable. I have to empower people to hold me accountable instead of the other way around. Where did you learn that? I honestly, I don't know. I just from, from the know. same people that were telling you what to do. You know, it's weird because I, I literally got out of jail at eight a.m. and by nine a.m. I'm sitting at the dinner table telling them this is what I'm going to do. No, what I mean by that is the same people that were telling you what to do, where you were like. I'll listen, roll my eyes. Okay. Do you think that's where you learn that I've got to hold myself accountable? Yeah. Because I think about that. You know, I remember baby talking one time with my dad. I I was like, those moments where it's just real clear. And uh, I I remember I was in my front yard of my house. We lived on Chestnut Street across from the junkyard. And Jason, uh, Jason Lytle and I were playing together. And he was baby talking. So I baby talked. And baby talked in front of my dad, and there I am with my friend, and my dad turned around, and like it was almost like poltergeist, right? You know, when when her head just spins, <laughs> my dad's head kind of spun. She were, and my my dad talked like this, and he let me know you don't ever gonna talk like a baby. You're not a baby, you know. And he got yeah. real gruff with me, and I never did it again. And it was one of those things where it was like, I've got to be. Looking back on it now, it was a lesson in. I've got to represent me. Right. Stop copying what others are doing. Yeah. It's not about them. It's about me. And it was cute. It was funny. You know what I mean? But it wasn't anymore. Right. Right? So I'm just thinking about the the hard decisions I've made in life. Um, I remember thinking, is this about me? Or am I trying to be something to someone else? And it was, like you're saying, it was about me. Yeah. It was about me. And I needed to be accountable to me. And that's where I held that accountability piece. But at the same time, I didn't want to embarrass my parents. Yeah. And so that piece for me is a little bit of both. It's got to be about me. I've got to be the one to make this that decision. Somebody's going to make it for me. Yeah. Uh, you and I are probably a lot alike. Maybe that's the youngest thing again. But you're not going to tell me what I'm going to do. That's going to go bad. 
you know, it's funny you say that because as you were talking, I'm thinking, I remember Jeff Jones was sheriff at the time, and he said something to me. What are you doing here? Mm-hmm. You know what your dad would think? Mm-hmm. I remember Jim Heflin saying, how come I don't know you? Because I'd never been in trouble yeah. in Blackford. And I remember Chris Snyder walking down the hallways of the jail one day, and he I, I don't want to minimize what he said, but it was pretty much like, you're better than this? Yeah. And, mm. man, you know, like, so I, I fashion the way I coach. I tell people all the time, <laughs> I use the same example. If I tell my girlfriend, wow, you look nice today, and wow, you look nice today, they both mean the same to me, but one means more to her. Mm-hmm. And so I try to coach that way. And it was instilled in me accidentally with those three people and others. You know, I, I want to give a shout out. There were certain jail staff that literally hung around for two hours to tell me bye. Like, it was so rewarding as in jail. They were like, you don't belong here. Mm-hmm. You're different. And so early on, I had these people supporting me. And I don't think they realize it. And then, uh, so yeah, then I was able to, like, go to my parents and say things like, Tomorrow morning will be the first morning I've shaved my head without heroin, and I can't remember. I need you to acknowledge it. And I remember my stepdad, like, what? You want me to mm-hmm. praise you for being an adult? I'm like, yeah, because <laughs> I'm, I'm new at this. Sure. And to their credit, like, you know, I love my stepfather. He's been pretty much like my father. My dad's been dead for 20 years. And, uh, you know, I get that because of Tyler's death, it was hard for him to like attend meetings with me or for me, mm-hmm. but he has really, really grasped the understanding, you know, because early on he didn't understand and he, we'd go up to the lake, so you want a beer? I'm like, I can't have a beer, Mike. I, bought, I drink that beer. I'm going to Dayton. Like it, there's no right. stopping me. Yeah. Um, but yeah, like early on, it was just those few people I mentioned and others that I'll probably forget that just praise me, you know? So, mm-hmm. you know, I tell the same story. I went to the food pantry. And volunteered because I had nothing to do. And I hung out with a bunch of 70-year-old women. <laughs> and I, I'm I telling you right I, now, I love Scott, old women. <laughs> the, the affirmations they gave me for carrying not one but two gallons of milk at a oh, time. I, I remember going home, and that was when I'm like, I need you guys to pump sunshine up my ass That's all right. the time. <laughs> like, I've got to be, I've got to hear that I'm doing a good job. Yeah. And uh, that was, that was very imperative to my early recovery is okay my foundation for my recovery is affirmations i need to be praised um ironically i still struggle with it you know like i tell the individuals i work with i don't get any praise for what you do Mm -hmm. i don't get any blame either you know and i hear all the time man you you done this you done that i'm like no i just showed you what you could do and you decided to do it big difference there's affirmation in that yeah do you allow it in I know you're a giver. Yeah, I can hear it in everything you're saying. You're a giver, and it is hard. But there's 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 affirmation in the deeds of others that go through you. You know, I struggle with it as well. You know, this is something here. This 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 interaction is is a way a good deed through me to others. It's not like I have a big audience, man. I, but I am really happy with the audience I have. Yeah. I absolutely love. But this is a way I feel. People aren't going to write out and go, oh, man, thank you, Scott, for doing that. I think you underestimate. See that? Yeah. You see that? Yeah. So 
I, I did that on purpose because I wanted. I knew I was going to elicit that response. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So it's amazing the most insecure people are also the biggest smart did, alecks. So think around. about what you just yeah. said. I made you say it to me. Yeah. You're getting that through through their through their sobriety through the successes they're having with reuniting with their families and uh, through their good works that they're doing and that building of self esteem. The work you do allows that to happen. Well, I appreciate that. And, um, and not just you. I mean, there's yeah. So, I, I'm it, I'm I'm affirming what you're doing, but but you know as well as I do. It takes it takes a village, man. Yeah, like we all got to be on this on this journey together because we are. Yeah, it's not a well that addiction's not my problem. So, right. yeah. uh, not my problem. Yeah, I'm out. Your tax dollars would say otherwise. Well, your family. Yeah, would say you know? otherwise. Well, I mean that's to me those are the obvious ones. But when sure. somebody is well, like, that's what somebody wants to hear. Yeah, somebody wants to hear my oh my tax talking, dollars. They're talking about their money. They're like, what do you mean? Right. Like, Makes me think about, about dad. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I don't want to go down that path. No, no, right. I'm sorry, man. I, no, no. I, I know. Just, I know there were some things we wanted to talk about, and I want to make sure we hit on them. Yeah, yeah. And, I'm long-winded, buddy. But listen, this this is this is not a. We're not on a timer. It's not like you know. I, I push. I push all this through uh, Anchor by Spotify, and they are man. They don't sponsor this either, but I've looked at a lot of different ones, and there's no time limit. It's That's free. Nice. I can, you know, they they do a check. So when I post it, they'll go through, and I'm sure it's some AI thing that right. goes through to make sure it's not some kind of hate speech or something like that. Um, but then I'll put a description on it, and I put a little picture. We'll take a picture together, and I'll post it on there with it. And uh, but it's man, I think it's a great way. I, I'm I'm a huge Joe Rogan fan, um, but I don't want to be the next. I'm not trying right. to be that. I, but what I do want to do is I want to continue talking to regular people going through regular life. And the sad part is that I, in my head, as that's coming through my brain, I'm talking to an addiction specialist and I'm saying I'm talking to regular people about regular life. Yeah, it's bittersweet. I appreciate you acknowledging me that I'm regular. You sure are. But it also <laughs> is a testament to we have normalized this. But, but also, that's good. We're removing the stigma. 100%. Of, and it has to be talked about. Yeah. We have to talk about it. Uh, I'm feeling like my arm, my hair is standing up. I don't know if you can see it. but uh, I absolutely love that we're having this discussion. Well, I appreciate you. I appreciate you giving me this platform. And, you know, I, I'll reiterate it. I reached out to you because I knew you would allow me to just run with it. Not not talk about certain pathways um mm -hmm. and also you know what i do i see that map behind you at one point our organization i worked for the jay county drug prevention coalition um and i worked in 12 counties up until the first of this year and now i'm down to seven which blackford jay delaware randolph huntington adams and wells this is this is our backyard and it sounds just like where i sell school furniture too yeah Probably. Literally. Yeah. I looked at your map and I'm like, what's he got an IRN map for? Yeah. Um, but, you know, and, and that was another reason why I wanted to do your podcast and not some of the others I've been asked on because it's like this is, I mean this respectfully, but some of the people listening to this, their kids might suffer from this. And I want that parent to know there are other options than what 
society pushes. Mm-hmm. You know, where I'm I'm very fortunate that I promote multiple pathways, but I'm also hindered because a lot of people don't know what that means. Right. You know, I promote harm reduction. Like I'm wearing a shirt that says "Got Narcan." Yeah. Um, a lot of people are like, "Well, you're just replacing one with the other." When it comes to harm reduction, harm reduction is literally me telling somebody, "You're shooting up a gram today." We'll do a little less tomorrow. Mm-hmm. And mom or dad or wife or husband are like, what are we doing? And I'm like, right. if it was that easy, I'd be unemployed. Right. And we would not have 108,000 people die in the last, right. you know, like, let's support what they're doing. Um, and, and I get their opinion of you're just, re- sometimes you're replacing one with the other. But my goal is you're alive. If you're on Sublocate, Vivitrol, Suboxone, Methadone, all that stuff, you're alive. I want you to be abstinent-based recovery. But we got to start somewhere. Mm-hmm. And I heard something a while back I thought was really interesting. Uh, they were talking about overdose. And uh, just think about the words themselves. There's, there's a dosage that's recommended. Yeah. You know, me taking three, more than three um, ibuprofen would, literal, in its literal sense, that's an overdose. Yes. That's more than my my big body needs. Right. Uh, if I take a, a swig of NyQuil rather than the recommended, interesting that NyQuil comes with its own shot glass. Not that right. I'm trying to make, <laughs> I'm just making, <laughs> but like that would be an overdose, you know? And, and I think there's this misunderstanding that only drug addicts have overdose. Yeah, it's funny because now... Or for you know, first time you sue. Well, if you if you're prescribed an opioid right now, the pharmacy also gives you naloxone, Narcan with it, the nasal. No matter what, yeah. If y'all could see shock face, it's happening right now. I yeah. was not aware of that. Yep, that's really interesting. We give it out for free. We have boxes in Blackford County. I think there's one out at uh, Troy Kaufman's church. Mm-hmm. There's um, another one in Blackford, and I'm going blank. We have one J. You know, um, Overdose Lifeline, the shirt I'm wearing, they provide them for free. They just give us Narcan. And um, that's a touchy subject. People are like, well, we'll just keep saving them. And I'm Boy, like, we could have we could have just a, a podcast on that. Yeah. You know, because heaven forbid you give someone a second chance. Right. Or even a tenth. You know, the right. worst, and I don't want to go off on a tangent. I might piss off some of your listeners, but I've said to people, it's awfully bold of you to post all those Christian things and then judge anybody. Sure. Yeah, that would be a whole other yeah. topic. Yeah, just thinking of second chances. Yeah. I stood my wife up on her first date for the lamest excuse on the planet. Unacceptable. 100%. It was unacceptable. But thank God she gave me a second chance. Yeah. yeah. I'm judging you while there's a table in between it. I'm closest to the door. That's Let why me, I'm talking this smack. <laughs> <laughs> i got to say something about the table. So this desk, I actually made this desk. I, I bought it off of um, um, the uh, Facebook Marketplace. It came out of a hotel over in Muncie. Yep. So there was two of them. I, I cut one down. So what you see in front of you, now I've got some like sound dampening stuff on it, but it's half of the other tabletop is what it okay. is. Oh, yeah. You see it? Yeah. Yeah. It's it's a, um, there's a name for it. And I'm terrible. I'm still learning my product as a furniture sales rep, but uh, it's a um, vanity. Is it vanity or something like shield? And it's, so if you were sitting there and I was sitting here, you would have straight up a crotch shot going on. 
And well, so, I appreciate this. Yeah. Well, thank my wife for that, <laughs> right. too. I'm telling you, I can't thank her enough. She has been a savior for me in many, many ways. Uh, but the vanity screen is also one of those. Uh, and I apologize for saying that wrong, especially to all my Ed Fern people out there. But, um, yeah, so she sat in that chair and she goes, oh, oh, one problem. Right. And I'm like, what? You know, and I'm looking around. I'm like, oh, what? You know, I think it looks pretty good. Yeah. She was yeah, it's line of sight issue, and I'm like, oh gosh. <laughs> so that's that's how that ends up there. But it's interesting, you know, stupid. God, here we go again. No, you're good. I Welcome love this. Welcome to the shit show. That's what we do here. Yeah. You know, just listen to one other episode, you'll realize, you know, I can't keep my brain on one thing. So here we are. We are now recovery. Yes. We we we've gotten through jail. We've we've crossed the. You know, I gotta I gotta talk to the family. And we're now in, in a recovery mode. You've got a uh, wine gardener's party, and I've heard nothing but great things yeah. about wine gardener. I, I don't know that I've I've met him. If I have, it probably would have been close to fifteen years ago. Um, I don't think he was here then. I really don't know. If he wasn't, I wonder if it was pretty close. Yeah, I'm I'm thinking of someone else that he would have been involved in their recovery and. Um, but anyhow, yeah, so you know, thank God, man. Yeah. Thank God there's people that, you know, we talked about accountability and having someone to hold you accountable. He was holding you accountable. Yeah. You know? And ironically, supporting me where I'm at, which is one of our yeah. founding principles of recovery coaching. How easy it would have been for him to just go, oh, you're going to six a week, wadded up. And I thought you were going to say, well, we're going to put on here. Now you got to go to six a week. And how many, how much that would have changed your recovery? Oh, yeah. Because now somebody's telling you. Well, yeah, my my uh, addictive behavior and my criminal thinking have been f that. Yeah, I'm just gonna walk in and get it signed. I know all these people. Dude, I already I'll told him it. I was going to yeah. six a week. Yeah. Oh, now he's gonna mandate it. Yeah. Oh, that's different. Yeah, he he was a instrumental in it. Yeah. Um, and that's not an indictment on Sue. And they just hired a new young lady named Trisha up there, and they're great too. Yeah. Um, and, and I'm not bsing you when I say I wish the other six counties worked with us as well as Blackford. Yeah. And there, it's getting That's better. to hear. Yeah, it's getting you know, better. Blackford County native. I yeah. love this place, and this is home. And, um, boy, we need more positive positive comments about our county, you know? Well, and, you know, I'll talk about a little bit of my career. Like, um, Tyler Hunt, I used to report to. He's 100% oh, on board what we're doing. Yeah. Um, everybody in that community corrections office is supportive of recovery and meeting them where they're at and just you know i'm very fortunate they're like we have a role you have a role mm -hmm. let's not mix them you know yeah. um and on top of that like i said earlier like um so I'll, I'll give a quick uh explanation of how i became a coach so i was talking about the food pantry through that i met a guy hired me <coughs> in 10 bucks an hour just do random jobs and uh flipping homes is what he was doing and i tore my medial and my regular meniscus and at around this time, somebody had said, man, I think you'll be a good coach. And I'm like, what do you mean? And they explained to me what it was. And I'm like, I can't afford to take off work. Tore these ligaments, had surgery Friday. Class started on Monday. So I'm like, well, I'm not doing anything. I can go. And so through that, I got elevated. And I'm the longest tenured there other than my boss, Allie. And um, it really just the universe had a way. I know some would say that's God. I don't care what it was, but something had a plan for me to be in this position. And through that, you know, um, I was fortunate enough to be part of what's called the IRAX program, 
and that is, um, I'm going to murder this acronym, I apologize, <laughs> Integrated Reentry and Correction Services. Okay. And what that is, what it entails pretty much, and I'll, I'm going to dumb it down, but what I do is called community-based work. Um, so we have peer recovery coaches funded through DMHA and MHAI in the Delaware and Blackford. They did this in six counties, and we got two of them at our organization in the state of Indiana. Like, we're very lucky. We literally just said, and I remember telling Deb Perry, jail commander, this, everything stays the same, but we're going to give you money, and it's going to be a new staff. Are you interested? You know, I knew she'd say yes. I love Deb to death. Like, she's very supportive of what we're doing. So now we meet with people from the day they get arrested until the day they get out and a month after they get out. And then there's kind of a warm handoff to people like me. Yeah. You know, so there is continuous support whether you want it or not. Um, and, you know, for hyperesis, I won't mention some guys that we both know, but it's like, man, I, I'm, I'm very blessed to watch them evolve in jail. You know, like I used to get high with this guy and he's, he's just like participating in the groups and he's now co-facilitating them. And, you know, he actually said one time, man, if my, if my sentence is up before I complete matrix, I'm going to stay. I mean, how blessed are we that there are people like, I don't want to get out of jail because this program's so good. Right. You know, and the program's good, but it's really the people. I think the program is great, but I also know who's doing it. They're all in recovery, mm -hmm. and they all have different pathways. I mean, we have people that are staunch Bible thumpers, and we have people that isolated for years, and that was their recovery pathway. I w if you'd have told me, yeah, just isolate, work, and you'll, you'll be fine, I'd be like, no, I won't. Right. But here she is crushing it, and it's, yeah. it's, I'm very fortunate. So in 19, I'm sorry, 2019, I got this job, voluntary. You know, and then in uh, 2020, we launched what's called the Indiana Recovery Network. And they kind of took that map you have, divided it the same way. You know, coalition, Jay County Coalition, you have this part. Mm -hmm. Thrive, you have this part. Wabash Valley Recovery, you know. And uh, back then, it was me and Allie Frames were the only two coaches. Now, I think, and I hope I don't misrepresent this, I think we're up to 30 peer recovery coaches between the Delaware Blackford County Jail and our community. Well, it shows two things. It shows that they're respecting, you know, the need, yeah. and it's showing the need. Uh, I, man, that, that, that is, number one, it's enlightening, the numbers. Two, it, it makes my heart happy that there's support out there. Yeah. And. Uh, well, not to interrupt you, but a lot of these people supporting us like Stones originally, now Heflin, mm -hmm. now Perry. These are people that grew up here. Yeah. And they're willing to admit things like what we're doing isn't working. We got to try something different. Yeah. Yeah. That is huge. And I didn't mention um, Commander Walthour and Commander Die in Delaware, huge proponents of this. I appreciate them. And I, I miss that aspect of being in the jail, working, you know. But I'd be lying to you, Scott. I'm, I've been in jail in five years, and I still early on was like, hear that door clink and think, I don't think I have a warrant. Do I still have a signal? You know, like, am I getting out of here? You know, and it gets easier. Um, but yes, we are very fortunate that our community stakeholders in the legal system, Judge Body, huge mm -hmm. proponent of us. Yeah. You know, I, I can't thank people like him enough to not punish our program for an individual failing. He understands that, hey, man, it was his decision to cut that bracelet off and run. That's not on you. Thank you.
sitting here thinking about what you were throwing out there, you know, the number of people that are now employed in some shape or form, you know, to, to help in recovery, to help those who are struggling. Just a thought in my head, I, I interviewed for a, for an assistant principal job in Madison uh, four years ago. And in that conversation, they were talking to me about the issues in Jefferson County and Switzerland County and, and down in Southern Indiana. And um, I, I remember then there was a stat talking about how Blackford County was one or two in drug overdose per capita or maybe drug death and drug overdose death per capita. Yeah, I think I was, like you said, about four years ago. Yeah. I think it was death. Yeah. yeah. Where are we at? Now, I don't, you know how those things go. It's about yeah. the only thing out right now. I think the earliest would be 2020. Um, so we have in our organization what's called a quick response team. What that entails is me and any other community coach uh, will get a text or a call from Mr. Heflin, um, Mr. Newton, and Jay County. Those are the only two counties we, and Delaware does a really good job too. They'll mm-hmm. text me and say, they'll give me your address, tell me you overdosed, and allow me to come talk to you. At the house. At the house. Interesting. Now, there's a caveat to that. Like, if you get arrested with possession, you know, you're going to jail. But guess what? Now you're involved in our IRACS program. Right. You know what I mean? Right. So, one way or another, you're going to get some type of support. Without a better way to say it, you got a captive audience. Oh, yeah? A captive participant. Yes. Yes. <laughs> um, <laughs> so, that I remember at one point Blackford being, you know, such a small populated county being really high in deaths. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's meth, unfortunately, is taking a up kit. But we've also got some stuff, and I'm going to murder the name of this. But it does not – Narcan doesn't work on it. They're cutting stuff with this stuff. Man. And Narcan doesn't work on it. Um, so, yeah, there's fentanyl in everything now. Yeah. Everything. Yeah. And a lot of times what the people's doing is they're using more meth because they're not speeding like they think they should, and it's because the fentanyl's in it. And then – you know, it's 50 to 100 times more dangerous than heroin, so they end up dying of an overdose. Um, but, yes, we, I am very fortunate that I tell people it's bittersweet to be busy. Mm-hmm. It means that we are acknowledging the problem, but now there's a light on how big of a problem we have. Yeah, well, that's a great way to put it. We definitely have a problem. Yes. And we've had a problem. Yes. It's not anything new. I think the new piece of it, is what we are learning and, you know, the brain function, you know, just the brain functionality that, uh, of how addiction processes, you know, through, through different things. But then also that helps us understand how to better treat and, you know, help through recovery and and what is needed there. Uh, man, I'm excited about what you're doing, where you're going. I think you look incredible. Thank you. You're back to the guy I remember, that's for sure. Minus the white facial hair. Oh, yeah, you do have some gray going on there. Hell no, Joe. I, like I didn't notice because you don't have hair. Right. <laughs> it's probably gray, too, if I, I guess, throw it out. I guess you're not going to go gray if you don't yeah. have it. <laughs> yeah, somebody asked me this. Have you ever had hair? I said twice. My brother's ex-wife made me grow it out for to be in their wedding. And they're like, really? I'm like, yeah. And then another time was a bet. Oh, that's yeah. funny. So, yeah, I look, I look different. About a week ago... Um, my wife was getting ready to go somewhere. I don't know where we were going, but I grabbed her mascara thing. Like I think that's what it's called for your eyelashes. Yeah. Uh, I don't wear much makeup, but I was taking it and I was painting my goatee with it. 
And man, I had the darkest black goatee <laughs> that I've probably had since those pictures on right. my wall. And so I'm standing there <laughs> and I'm just talking to her. And she'd look at me every once in a while, you know, and she didn't say a word about it. Not one comment. Wow. She comes in later. And I'd already washed it off my face, and I've I've got like some makeup remover things she has in there, and she's like, "What are you doing?" I said, "I painted, like I had a mustache going at the same time, but right. I don't grow in on one side, so I don't know if I've been kicked by a mule or something, you know." But like <laughs> that half of my face doesn't grow hair, and so I even like drew. You drew it in. I drew it in, yeah, like. <laughs> Uh, man, I should have did the whole beard, you know, yeah. like the the baby bye 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 beards, oh, the yeah. boy band beards. Yeah, the, what do they call those? The chin straps. Is that what it is? Okay, strap. I'm not. Yeah, I, I can never grow facial hair that looked good. That, that's why I've always had the chin hair, because uh, it's the only thing that actually grows in. And there are times I look at that and I'm like, God. But then I shave it off. Yeah. I'm like, Who are you? I really want to buy just for men, but everybody's like, No. <laughs> So I painted this thing on. I wipe it all off. She's like, "What? What were you doing?" I said, "I was just trying to get a reaction. That's yeah. all I wanted. I just, I just wanted to see a reaction, and I got nothing. Uh, no, yeah, I got nothing. Feel? How did you deal with that? Man. Well, I dealt with it. Here we are in in, in a there session. I like it. Well, I dealt with it by saying, you know, when when you put your makeup on, do your hair. I always tell you you look beautiful, and she's, you always tell me I look beautiful. I said because you do. Yeah, it's a secret to twenty six years of. Of marital bliss. That's awesome. I've been, honest God, Travis, you know, we talk about recovery. You're talking about a lady who held me accountable. That's why I'm, I'm so big on that accountability piece. Yeah. Jennifer held me accountable from the day we started dating. Like, and, and that was the difference between her and other girls I dated was she held me accountable. I knew how important it was for someone to hold me accountable. And had she not been in my life, I was running around. We talked about the circles of people I was running around with, the people I was with. Um, I can certainly see myself falling in to a very different life than what I've had. Yeah. If I would have had one. Yeah. I, yeah. I was quickly on a path, you know, stupid crap on motorcycles and you know drinking and, and other things I was I was doing as a young man. Um, I needed accountability. And my parents, there was an accountability there, but it was the, you ain't going to do that in my house, you know? Yeah. yeah. Boy, that was just one more reason for me to turn around and say, I just did. Yeah. You know? Look how good I am at it. You don't even know I'm doing it. Not to their face. Yeah. You know? Not to their face. Yeah. But, yeah, absolutely. It's to you to allow somebody to set boundaries and you (sighs) also let them allow you to hold you accountable for it. You know? Like, I think... Boundaries are they're a threat to people because it takes away some of their power, but it also gives them some power. Yeah, it's a red flag when somebody doesn't respect boundaries or they say things like "That's just the way I am." Wow, I'm so glad I'm not the person I used to be, and I want to uh, be better tomorrow than I am today. And we're pushing towards that. Yeah, like my this what I do in here is part of that for yeah. me. You know, I talk about in most of my podcasts. This is therapeutic for me. It's very revealing. I find out some real stuff about me as I go through um, each one of my podcasts. Uh, It's interesting how just a conversation, a real conversation. Hey, man, how you doing? Oh, man, I haven't seen you in a while. 
that's very different than what we've done today. And I think it's important for people to talk. Oh, absolutely. You know, we, I think we've done it maybe off air. Maybe it was on air, but it was like you have to remove it from one part of your brain to the other. Mm-hmm. And talking about it does that. And another stig- uh, misconception is, you, is a lot of times people believe, Scott, I'm triggered. I need to talk about it. That's great. But a lot of times what people need to understand is you don't have to talk about what's triggering you. Just talk. Right. You know, I always It'll tell come out. story. You know, I have a cousin who, I don't, you a basketball fan? Victor Oladipo yeah. played yep. for IU, yep. played for Pacers. He's now with the Miami Heat. I would call my cousin and start talking about him as a Pacer. And about after three or four calls, he finally said, are you all right, man? I said, yeah, I just need to talk. And he's like, well, I was wondering, like, did he relapse or something? He's talking about Oladipo, and he's on the heat now, you know? And uh, <laughs> it was literally my fear of giving somebody that much power. Mm-hmm. Um, letting my barrier down so it's like i just need to talk buddy yeah that's it i just need to talk eventually i'll be able to say yeah there's a reason i'm talking about oladipo because this happened today you know i passed this car and i could i got triggered and it made me remember the last time i drove past that parked corvette and i can taste the meth in my mouth and Mm. it's like i don't want to tell anybody because some people think that's bad right so let's ease into it and just talk to him about something yeah yeah it's gonna happen yeah. You know, I think it's important what you said about, you know, just letting your guard down. Yeah. You know, we are, our society is very guarded. Our culture is very guarded. Um, I wrote about this in, in one of my, my master's classes, just talking about, um, in, in the paper I wrote, it was about hidden curriculum. And in a, I think in our culture, at least what I've grown up in, I've experienced um, a lack or I don't, know, I don't know the best way to put it. I'm just going to talk it out. But I think we are so concerned about self-preservation that if we show any fear, any weakness, any tendency to even have either of those two, then our, our, our self-perceived thought of that someone else has of us I, yeah. I don't know, like it's a weird way of saying you know the way other people view us yeah uh i think that gets diminished in, in our own mind well and to be honest society and our upbringing has a big part of oh, it Lord. we were raised to you just man up yeah i hate that term yeah it's so detrimental it's like so wait a minute it's okay for me to potentially use drugs and or alcohol and as long as i let it out at the bar yeah. I'm, I'm allowed to talk about my feelings. It's like, no, I, I, that's the hardest part as a male in recovery who looks like a skinhead but <laughs> drives a battery powered car and has a four pound palm to say, it's all right to say I need help. And yeah. let's be honest, you're never going to say those words. Yeah. But by you texting me saying, hey, what's up? Yeah. I have to be smart enough in my career to say, that's a cry for help. Absolutely. And probably what's happened, unfortunately, is his quote unquote support system said, just man up. Just go to work, mm-hmm. stop doing drugs, pay your bills, and, and, and I see the other end of that. You know, that life, uh, I'm sorry, that generation of we're all soft now, I believe there's a happy medium, though. There is. Like, I think I can be a quote-unquote hard-ass that still has feelings. Yeah, I, I agree with you 100%. And I, I think as men, as grown men, it's our job to, to say that. Yeah. It, it's, it's okay to, I, I think that you're right. 
Man Up has a couple different, couple different things. Yeah. Uh, I, I think it's the way we we take it in, and if I if I say to myself, knowing who I am, you know, it's so much self perception, you know how we how we absorb it. But if I say man up to me, it is one hundred percent about um, push push through this now. Yeah, don't put this to the side. You're a man. You're a human being. It's our innate drive to get better, to grow, to become the best version of ourselves. And to me, that's man up. Yeah. Others, I think it can be heard, or it may be intended, of just get back up. Yeah. Quit, quit being a crybaby. Man, I've been knocked down. Yeah. I've, I've been hit. I've, I've went through some stuff. And I've, I've had to man up through it, but there are other times... I just needed a hug, man. Yeah. I just needed a hug. And not that I wasn't going to man up later. I just needed a hug. Well, it's a lot easier to, quote unquote, man up if somebody's there saying, I appreciate you, Scott. I just want you to know that. Yeah. Well, this would be a little easier now. I didn't realize I had support. Yeah. You know? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And, and I'm similar, not to interrupt you, but like I'll, I'll catch myself in my inner dialogue saying, you have to do this, Travis. You know it. Right. You have to make this happen. It's a discipline thing. Yeah. It's a self-discipline piece. <sighs> yeah. And it's, we're on the same page. It's so yeah. interesting, man. <laughs> well, and we're at that age where, you know, we're we're right in between those two generations. That the older generation oh, judges. Are. Like, but yeah, you know, it's it's hard because it's like I want to relate to this twenty-year-old, twenty-five-year-old kid that I'm assigned to help uh, work into recovery. But I have his dad butting heads with me because he's just old enough to where he doesn't believe that people like us should have feelings. And he's the guy that will make fun of my battery-powered car. Yeah. You know? And it's like, I accepted a long time ago what kind of man I am. That's that's it. I don't need a car to prove it. Yeah. Yeah. I note, though, I did buy a truck recently. Yeah. Notice my voice got a little deep. Oh, it did? Started listening to Morgan Wallen oh, a little man. more. <laughs> what? It must have been a Ford. It was a Silverado. No, oh, it was. I couldn't oh, pass so it up. Was it Ford or Georgia Line? Is that? I honestly don't. That's I don't the know one, who they are. Yeah, that's the one genre I won't listen to. But I tease my girlfriend every time I we have to drive the truck anywhere. I'm like, my voice got a little deeper. <laughs> when I so, I don't know if you know, I drive a Nissan Leaf. I didn't know that. Yeah, no. so I've got a Nissan Leaf. I love my little EV car, man. I do. My daughter's actually driving it right now because her cars are going in the shop. But I love that little thing. Yeah. I, uh, it didn't all all of a sudden I realized well, maybe maybe that's why I'm doing the podcast I'm gotten more in tune with my feelings driving a leaf hey maybe that's what it is yeah you know this week I have noticed I wasn't really really excited about getting in the in the podcast room <laughs> I've been driving my truck right yeah it's like yeah. how dare this bald guy come on here and tell me to not man up and just talk about it yeah man that's some great stuff anything we missed I want to make sure you get heard. I, I want to say yes, but I, I just appreciate this platform. Man, I, I mean it sincerely. Like, I meant what I said about the way you treated me out there at your house. I meant the way that, you know, you and Tommy talked to me and Muncie. And when you started posting this stuff, I remember looking at my girlfriend saying, I'm going to do something I never do, and I'm going to ask to be on something. Man, I'm glad you did. And I'm I appreciate you, you doing it. And, yeah, I, I just want the community to know that um, 
you know, I'm not a big, I'm not a big advocate for the statement. We do recover because that implies like there's an end. Right. But I want to promote recovery in our community and let people know that feel free to reach out to me or anybody in the uh, Jay County Drug Prevention Coalition. Our office is directly above community corrections here in Hartford City. Yeah. We have an office in Delaware right across the street from the, in the old city building. We're in the old county clerk's office there. Yep. Um, and then we have a Portland office. Um, so I just, I want the, the listeners to know that if, if like celebrate recovery or Bible recovery, isn't your thing or your loved one's thing, we have other options. Nice. And, you know, I, I will rattle on more stuff if somebody reaches out to us and, uh, I just appreciate this platform because there an email people can reach out to you. Yeah. Just Travis at the letters J C D pc.org it's the acronym for j county drug prevention coalition and once again i just want to repeat you know the number i stated at the beginning of the shows you know 211 you know if you're someone that's in need if you are uh, struggling and you need someone reach out don't be afraid to talk about it uh, even if you drive a silverado or a ford yeah you know or even a nissan leaf or yeah what's your battery c- I have a Ford Fusion. Is it a hybrid? It's a plug-in hybrid. Even hybrids. Yeah. yeah. And, and we're smiling because both of us are like... I laugh my way all the way past the gas station. So. <laughs> well, yeah. Uh, yeah, me too. 40 miles a gallon, and my buddy's got one at yeah. 28. Same car. Incredible. Really? Same exact car. Mine's a plug-in. His isn't. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah. Well, on a serious note, 211, it's for real. Uh, it's there for us. And, um, you know... As as someone who um, drug addiction is hit close to home with, just love them. Just love them. They're still your family. Um, they're still your friends. Yeah. They're still human beings, more importantly. And I think it's important to never forget that. You don't know what someone's really struggling with. And just be kind, you know. It costs nothing to be kind. It costs absolutely nothing. Yeah, and it says a lot about who you are. Yeah. Man, Travis, thanks for being here today. I appreciate you, man. I really do. This is it's been a lot of fun. Yeah. Well, that's it. See ya. Oh yeah. Don't forget to hit me on Instagram and Twitter and email at the real Mr. Schick. The real Mr. Schick, yeah. It's all of them. The real Mr. Schick. God, I told you all I'm I'm terrible at this whole Hey, I we guess. had a good conversation. I feel yeah. bad that we took so long but well, i appreciate your time. we're gonna we're gonna come back in because we gotta talk music at some point okay um i know you're a huge tool fan i'm, I'm a tool fan yeah. yeah he's spinning around his his uh drink canister he's got tool <laughs> on it uh so yeah i'm actually going to louder than life this year but, i am too uh, are you for real i'm really thinking about it but uh, i'll be honest i know we're off on tangent but it's like now that i'm in recovery can i watch 20 bands ah oh, man because i'll know 19 of them to sound terrible now that i'm sober oh that's not true i've it, been to i've with, been to concerts sober it was with slayer i'll just put it was that it way. yeah i went to uh, slayer and i'm like they are like how long ago three years yeah, ago i mean they're in their they're probably like almost 60 he's 62 is now, he really yeah wow Jerry king's awesome but yeah. that lead singer it's yeah. like please stop yeah. doing the kiss continuous retirement tour <laughs> <laughs> the moment you realized Carrie King was the guitar on uh, the Beastie Boys albums. I did not know that till just now. So finish your question. <laughs> How's that feel? That feels like you're right. I want to talk about music oh, with you man. now. 
God, I can't wait. I can't wait. You gotta keep. You gotta come back, folks. Have you heard of Electric Cowboy yet? No. That's my treat to you. Oh my gosh, I'm gonna have to check it out. Yeah. Hey, that's the Chick Show. Message me. See ya.